You are listening to Electric Bike Radio. Welcome back to the first episode of our second season of Electric Bike Radio, episode 14, California Dreamin' with the Electric Bike Company. I'm Dwayne, and this is my podcasting partner, Jared. Hey, Dwayne, and welcome back to a second season. We've got a great lineup for this season. We're starting with something really exciting today. We're speaking with Sean Lupton-Smith, the founder and CEO of Electric Bike Company in Costa Mesa, California. Yeah, we're going to talk to Sean about his bikes, his company, his new factory in California, all that coming up next. So, Sean, we talk about all types of brands uh, of electric bikes and electric bike radio, including some electric bike company models, because we have a couple friends who have uh, friends of the show that have EBC bikes. But I wanted to start uh, with, you know, cutting to what the listeners probably most want to hear first, which is what is it that you think makes electric bike company bikes different from other companies? Yeah, that's, you know, funny enough, that's one of the... uh one of the best things about us is that we are different. You know, we're the only bike brand that actually builds bikes for the customer, for their own customers. You know, all the other brands, now it's even including the big billion-dollar companies like Giant and Trek and, you know, Cannondale and Specialized. They've all decided to uh, ship their manufacturing over to Asia where, obviously, you know, they, they feel that it's, you know, it's, it's a better business decision. What makes us really different is we found that throughout the process for the past 20 years, some of the, 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 um, the, the, the type of demand that customer, the type of yeah, demand that's out there has actually changed somewhat. And meaning that people really want to have a, per, a personalized bike, something that they can design and they can you know, have input in. And then, and then it actually gets built according to their own uh, according to their own specifications and we found that what other companies when they try and meet that demand they they bring in the fully fully assembled bike and then they disassemble the bike they then do all the sort of modifications that are necessary and with the, the coloring and all the rest of the stuff the personalizing of it and then we uh, and then they assemble the bike again and then they ship the bike to the customer or to the to the shop and we found that, that, that nowadays, with a lot of people um, uh, personalizing, you know, a lot of people wanting that, it actually is not that cost-effective. So for electric bike company, we've decided, let's go ahead and offer that personalizing and customizing of the person's bike. And one of the main, one of the big things is women and really sort of right brain and creative thinking folks. It doesn't necessarily seem to be... Um, oh, sorry, hold on one sec. Can you ask that guy? Someone's making a big record of you. <laughs> well, we, we can note, Sean, you're, you're speaking to us from your brand-new factory. We're definitely going to ask you about that later. So um, I totally expect you have some uh, people working on it right now, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, so anyway, so one of the things what we wanted to do, com- completely different to anybody else, is, you know, is to offer that personalized, um, customized, you know, accessorized, the way that a person really wants their bike done. So, and, and also one of the big things is we build the bike. We actually build it. So it's not that we're expecting other people in other countries to be able to do that. 
And that, that, that really puts us into a, into a specialized sort of category. You know, of course, if you just want to get something off the shelf, that's fine. There are probably, there are pretty good bikes out there. Specialized makes a really good bike. Giant makes a good bike. There are a few competitors out there that make some, some pretty good bikes. If you just want to take it off the shelf, a little bit more expensive, we feel, because really when they say factory direct business model, they, it's not factory direct really. It's still a factory. Then it's warehoused here in the United States, branded and then marketed and then shipped out. So it's not really factory direct. It's factory, warehouse to consumer. We wanted a business model where it was actually factory direct. We were the factory. We were building it and then we're shipping it directly to the consumer. And, and what we can do then, if we're doing it in the United States, is we can actually then build the bike in our factory and we can ship it directly to the consumer and it can be fully built. And that also is another differentiation between us and any other bike company. You know, a lot of these guys are shipping the bikes in containers, and the best way to ship in the containers is to make the packaging really small. And that means taking off the, 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 the pedals and taking off the front wheel and taking off the handlebars, taking off the, the seat, and often taking off the, some of, the, some of the, you know, the battery for, the, for our bikes. And a lot of, when you actually end up getting this bike, there's quite a bit of actually assembly required when you get everybody else's bike, if you are going to buy direct. If you're not going to buy direct and go through the store, which we do supply some stores to, is um, then you've got that, but then there is a sort of often a little bit of an added cost to that. So we can so 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 those two main aspects. You know, we wanted to build our own bikes so we could offer customization. We wanted to send the bike fully built, but what we also wanted to do, which we differentiate compared to other people, is particularly on a consumer item that's like electronic, an you know, electrical bike. It's electronic. We, we wanted to make sure that if something didn't work, that we could, and there, there was some kind of repair or maintenance required, we were able to do that immediately with the experts that actually assembled the bike, that actually built the bike. We wanted to make sure that we had all the tools, we had all the parts, we had the knowledge, and we had the infrastructure to be able to support our product nationwide and then eventually worldwide. And, you know, one of the things about mechanic, you know, there's a big differentiation kind of between sort of, you know, the, 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 um, a mechanical engineer and an electrical engineer. There's a, quite a few mechanical engineers in bike shops that can mechanically solve and, and, and troubleshoot and repair problems on a person's bike. From an electrical standpoint, it's a little more tricky and it actually can really increase the cost. So we wanted that service to be in-house. And we wanted to be able to, you know, obviously um, share and, and expand that knowledge. So right from the start, over 10 years ago, that was our business model. Our business model was like, guys, we want to you know, personalize it. We want to send a fully built bike. We want to be able to support our product countrywide and eventually on and worldwide. And how were we going to do that, the best business model? And we found that the way that we've set it up now seems to really resonate with the customers big time. Well, that, that that kind of brings us right to one of the questions I had that was I was planning on asking later on. Um, you're talking about uh, electrical engineers, mechanical engineers. What kind of staff and and resources does it take to start a business where you're going to be able to do everything in house? Like, how do you design a bike? How do you decide to design a bike? How do you pick your parts? How do you move from there? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, you know, I didn't actually realize, realize that when I started it, when I started the electric bike company. 
You know, it was, a, it was a philanthropic effort that I wanted to do. I'm originally from South Africa. I'd retired out the restaurant business. Thank goodness I was pretty successful. So I retired at a young age, and I thought well, I wanted to send bicycles over to Southern Africa, particularly Zimbabwe and Mozambique and Angola and, and South Africa. But these people wanted to mobilize themselves. And when I saw the electric motor and the electric sort of um, evolution, and there were a few bikes around, just sort of, you know, sort of entry-level bikes where a person was just putting a battery and a motor on their bike. I thought, well, heck, well, if I'm going to do this and I'm going to mobilize people, you know, I'm a big believer in prosperity through mobility. And I wanted to make sure that these guys then, you know, heck, if, 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 if we're fortunate enough to get to and from school, hospital, work, you know, um, efficiently. Why can't, you know, disadvantaged people do it and do it cost-effectively? So I said, well, let's go ahead and put a motor on and a battery on these bikes that, we're gonna, that I'm going to send over there. And I've got a small little 1,500-square-foot facility, and I just bought some Walmart bikes, and I started putting on these motors and these batteries. And I knew nothing. I'm not an electrical or mechanical engineer. I was, I was like a past restaurant, a commerce guy, a business guy. But I actually went through and I, you know, started up, you know, I just, just went through YouTube and started Googling and like, what, um, electricity for dummies. How does electric motor work for dummies? You know, how does lithium iron work for them? And I just started learning myself. And after a while, I started realizing, um, I, met, I met my partner, my, my life partner, and she said, she was, she's actually funny enough, a, a, a product liability lawyer. And she does all these mass torts, and she's, uh, she's done all these things. And she said, well, if you are going to do something like that and people move it, it really has to be, it has to be engineered pretty well. So I scrapped the whole idea about putting them on these um, Walmart bikes that you get for 100 bucks, And we started going through the whole thing. And I started – and, and I, you know, I've done Ironman, and I've done you know, the cycling races and all that stuff. So I know from a mechanical standpoint, but when you put an electrical, like, powerful motor on, you actually have to then change a lot of things. You can't sort of rinky-dink it. So I ended up then designing the frame, and I've, I've consulted an a, um, a electrical engineer, a, a design engineer who used to work for NASA and Boeing, and, and, I, and I said to him, can you help me do this? And, and he said yes, and then I found another guy that was sort of like a handyman guy that could actually weld some stuff and start building around, and he was also consulted for me. But they were just doing this sort of part-time, five hours, ten hours a week. And, but I, I, I threw myself into this business. And from that, I just learned. So how do, we, how, do you, how do you know how to do that? I just looked at, I wanted something classic. Being in the restaurant business, I chased fads all the time. You know, low-carb, high-fiber, you, know, you know, just every fad that was possible out there, Mediterranean diets and this diet. And, and come to realize in the restaurant business is basically everybody wants a hot dog, you know, a pizza and a burger and a, and a, and a Coke and fries or something. You know, it's basically just – those are standard. Everybody wants them. They never go in and out of fashion. Everybody has them. And you do all these funny things. So I said, let me look for something that's like really stable, really strong, really reliable. So, and then I just looked at, you know, beach cruiser style bikes, cruiser style bikes, um, direct drive, you know, those kinds of things. So I based my whole business model around that, and I took, in knowing a little bit of the mechanical side, and then just learning the electrical side. And luckily enough, from the electrical side, it was, um, it was well, we were fortunate that it was still evolving at that time. You know, we, we say on our logo, established 2014, but I did about, you know, two, almost three years of R&D before we even established the electric bike company. 
So, it'd be, so you just imagine 10 years, 12 years ago, nobody knew what electric bikes were. So I could make sort of mis- mistakes. And so I just learned. And, you know, we added, added the, uh, the, the, the motor and the battery on one bike. And, uh, and I just sort of just, yeah, you know, did my hook or my crook and just figured it all out. Traveled like extensively throughout Asia and on my own. And I just went everywhere. I went on high speed trains. I went on bloody, you know, taxis. I went on, you know, obviously airplanes. I, I went on buses. I went on, I had suppliers drop me off. And, uh, and, and I just sort of learnt. And, and then when we, when, when I designed the first bike, thinking that I was still going to send it to Africa, a reviewer came in and looked at the rev- looked at my review. I uh, looked at the bike, and he reviewed. He was starting to review a lot of different bikes of all the different brands, and he said, "This is the best cruiser style bike he's ever seen." An electric bike report, electric bike review. In fact, that was caught rye, and he was. He said, "Listen, this is this is something special, Sean. You should you should consider, you know, going into the American market." And luckily, I'd, over, I'd over-engineered the bike, kind of just making sure the frame was thick and the, the tires were good and the, and, and the integrated bearings and the rust resistance. And I started really, really kind of going into the debt. And holy smokes, you know, um, people saw the review and people saw the, uh, you know, they kind of liked the name, Electric Bike Company. And we just started, you know, we had one color, you know, one, one style. It was a Model C and the Model S, the step through in the classic. That's where those names come from. And, okay. you know, the rest is history. So I'm curious, part of the things I want to talk to you about, you, you mentioned already, but we wanted to talk to you about the fact that they're, you know, made in America, or at least assembled in America, partially made in America. I want to, want to talk to you about that. Also want to talk to you about the fact that they are shipped, you know, fully assembled, but I never realized until we just talked how closely related those two things were. And I'm curious, which came first? Did you, did you decide you wanted to, you know, build the bikes in America and then you, you know, that had the fortunate impact of being able to do what you also wanted to do, which was sell them assembled or, or vice versa, you know, kind of which, which came first? Yeah, well, that's a good question. The, you know, it was funny I, I have a young son who's now seven, and when I was thinking I'd immigrated to the States and I thought to myself, I've seen the, the devastation that's happened in Africa and I think in South America and a lot of third world countries that are trying to compete against China particularly, but Asia. Now, I've got nothing against China, I've got nothing against Asia, nor in fact, my, my, I've, got, I've got some staff here that are phenomenal are from, from Asia and you know, I've, you know, I've got nothing against them personally. The thing what I find is that a lot of manufacturing has gone, has, has, has excessively gone over to Asia. And, and when, we, when I looked at that, and, and, you know, I'm a foreigner, but my son's born in this country, and when I'm long gone, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be here. And I, I, I felt deep down inside that, that there's, there's, a, there's an imbalance in, in the manufacturing and the building of, of, of things these days. I feel that it's too much gone to one particular country. And it should really be brought back here a little bit. Not that, again, not that I have any political views on that or have any, any, anything against um, anybody. I'm just, you know, I came here, my brother was, came in a tennis scholarship, he's a professional tennis player, and my older brother, my younger brother, a college player. And I was more the, the, the business guy. 
But I like competition, and I love, I love it that everybody should have a fair shot. And I don't want to win a race when there's only two or three people in a race. I want to win a race when there's like, you know, 50 or 100 or 1,000. I want a lot of people in this, in this competitive. Make sure that the comp- competition is even. Make sure that it's, that it's fair. And then, you know, good luck to the winner, you know, if there's a winner out there. But when it's kind of like wishy-washy and some guys get this certain tariff and some guys don't and some guys get this sort of, you know, rebate and some, you know, I was a little bit concerned about that. But I wanted to take on that sort of philosophy. I wanted to say, you know, there's a, there's a, we, we, we need to bring building back. That's one of my favorite things. Bring building back to, to United States. Bring building back to the world where where people feel a sense of satisfaction by actually building something, by actually holding something. You, know, you can buy, especially here in the United States, you can buy basically whatever you want really inexpensively and you can feel sort of satisfied by getting that particular item. But I think there's something deeper than that when, it's got, when you've actually built it yourself, when you, when you feel it, when you, you, know, you, you, um, you know, I come from a big family and I'm not really good at IT, as you can probably see from us trying to connect. And you know, I'm not really good with, with software and I'm not really good with all this. I love building and I get a sense of satisfaction. And it's quite hard to find. I think some of this population is, is, is really, they've got a knack for, for, for construction or for building or for, you know, for, for, for creating stuff. Not just software or not just marketing or not just, you know, these sort of smoke and mirror things. But, but actually physically taking something and, and building it. And there was, there's this dying need. I, th- I think a lot of you know, people in, 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 in certain communities don't have the way of expressing themselves, and they might turn to drugs, I don't know, or to the, the weird behavior. And I think that that's got something to do with the marketing. So I, I really put my passion in there. Luckily, I've been retired at a young age. I, I said, I've got to do something that really means something. And, um, and it, means a lot to, it means a lot to us to actually build the bike here, to actually, everyone's like, and I'm glad I'm speaking to you guys, because a lot of people are like, oh, well, you say you build your bikes, but you don't. You know, you, you, all you do is you do exactly what we do. You just put on the pedals and a few other things, and then you ship it out and say it's built in America. Well, that's complete BS. I, I, I love it when people come to our factory and see our parts from all around the world, China, of course, has it. I think it's about 27% of our stuff. But, of course, we get from Korea and Japan and Taiwan and India and all around. And now Holland and Germany. And we, we're getting – and United States, of course. And, and when you start building, you, you know, you, you've got to get your tools and you've got to get your tables and you've got to get your chairs and you've got to get your, your, your racks and you've got to get your packaging and you've got to get your – you know, there, there's, there's a thousand one other things that when you, you might be able to get the parts from other countries, but holy smokes, you actually need to still put that whole thing together. And, and, and then you've got to do the testing here and then inspecting. And, you know, there's, there's a lot more to it than just directly the parts. So, so I, you know, and, and if more people decided to do that, wonderful. I thought I think that this should happen. Then more people would bring the more part manufacturing back to the United States, and it, the, the thing would sort of self feed itself. Well, Sean, this brings up an interesting point: is is you talk about building here, and you build more, you build more of your components here than most. And when I was speaking with um, your associate Parker, he mentioned that you build the batteries there. You actually assemble the battery cases, and you've designed them yourself. So it seems like you decide to design and build some of your own components that other manufacturers, even if they build their bikes in America, are still sourcing those parts out. How do you decide what parts you want or what components and things like that you want to create on your own? And then how do you figure out how to do that? Um, probably by building a new factory. So how do, you, how do you decide like you want to 
create the capacity to do that. I never thought we'd, you know, we'd, we'd do all our own wooden fenders for wooden fenders and chain guards. It's beautiful. It's white oak and cherry wood, and it's, it's a really nice stain, and it's a really nice finish. Uh, gee, did I know that 10 years ago? No, but now we've got a CNC machine. We've got guys, lacing, got guys laying the stuff and bending it with, with, with moisture. And you know, our batteries, you know, the, the batteries, 3D printing was always something that I really loved doing, and especially when my son was really young, I was against this mass-produced kind of thing. And I said, son, even when he's two and three years old, and he's just started drawing, I said, you know, as soon as you could understand me, I said, just draw something that you like, and you'll draw it. And then I'd go to the 3D printer, and I'd print it out for him. And he became so into this kind of thing, he had his own little toys, he'd print it out, we'd, we'd, we'd go ahead and print them. So what that did, it helped us when the, with the 3D printing model. It helped us sort of design creative things. Like, for instance, our battery pack, where we just said, why don't you take the charger with you? Why don't you put the charger inside your battery pack, have a retractable cord, have, be able to put an anti-theft alarm or a GPS tracking system, and, and put all these fun things in the battery pack, that when somebody goes on a long trip, they don't have to make sure, oh, gee, I left my charger at home, or oh, my goodness, it doesn't have a backlight, integrated backlight, or oh, my goodness, it doesn't have a supercharging port on it. Let's design that all ourselves. And that starts with the 3D printing you know, um, evolution. And we were luckily just right on the you know, neck parallel that. So we just started slowly but surely doing that. And when we found that you know, the, when, our, when our revenues and our, our volume started increasing and 3D printing wasn't, wasn't really good, of course, then we went to extrusion of some of the plastic parts. And, right. and, and that helped us sort of – and what we did, we got stung in, in certain ways. And, again, I don't want to talk too badly about any other country – but once you send that design over to another country, you, 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 you've got to watch your step because they, will, they copy it, they modify it slightly that they get through past all kinds of patents that you might have, and then the next minute you go to a trade show and they're on every single one of their bikes and they've made these, these sort of modifications. So it's always going to happen, and we, you know, we, just, we don't have the bandwidth to be able to protect everything. But I think when you bring that kind of design in-house and you hold on to it for as long as you can and you get some bikes out, you get your marketing going, you get your sort of infrastructure, you get your system, then when you, when you launch it, you actually are so far ahead that they're chasing you the whole time. And that chasing thing has, I think, kept us ahead. As you can see with, you know, with our basket. You have to stay that one step ahead. Yeah, one step ahead. But the way that you can do that is by doing the hard work here yourself. And by not, by not letting it get out there too soon, not that you have to be super secretive and everything, but it just, just giving other people the ability to do all the hard work and then you just a marketing company or just a distribution company is, is not really our style. I mean, it's good. I've got, I'm, I'm talking to you on an iPhone. An iPhone gets made and, you know, around the world, and I think it's a phenomenal product. I think people can do that and do some of the design work here. But we've taken it just a little bit differently because we get so much satisfaction out of actually seeing the product evolve with us. And then eventually sometimes, yes, okay, it's cheaper. You know, it's a lot cheaper, you know, to get, say, say one of the casings um, extruded in, in, in China, let's say, for instance, and brought back. Well, then we, we, we give some of that back. But what we don't do is you don't give the extrusion, the, the, the BMS technology that we designed, the, the, the battery pack kind of assembly, the way that we want to assemble it, the way that we do our internal wiring, the way that we do our charge ports and our fusing and then our, and our, and our, and our charging our charge inside and a retractable cord and how we do all the sort of safety measures. We don't do all that to them. We farm that out. We say, okay, you do the retractable cord, you do the, the charger, you do the extrusion, and then we bring all that stuff in, and we do all that assembly, all that building ourselves, 
And until they actually buy one of our bikes and ship it over there and then copy it, by that stage we've changed something and we've modified something. So they're chasing us instead of us you know, chasing them. So, you know, as I say, I'm a competitive guy. It's all friendly. It's all good. It's just, you know, we prefer to do it that way than, you know, than, than the other. So, Sean, we just have a couple more questions. So one is about... One is about the factory. You got this brand new factory that you're um, putting together. You have a grand opening. I understand that's towards the end of October now. Um, tell us about it. What are you going to build there, and how is that adding to your capacity? What's it? What's it about? Yeah. Well, thanks. The the battery the the, the factories. Of course, we started in one thousand five hundred square feet. Now we've got over fifty thousand square feet. The, the the big thing about building your own bikes, your bikes take up quite a, little, a lot of room anyway. But building them, they do that too. You know, we have over 720 parts for all our different and parts and materials for all, for all our different models. And you know, with the supply chain the way it is all around the world, I mean, Europe is actually tougher than, than Asia right now. And locally, even even just getting our hardware and our boxing and our packaging and our and our shrink wrap and all the rest of the stuff, it's a pain in the neck. So we, the, 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 and, and growing at the same time. So you've got supply chain issues, you've got local manufacturing issues, you've got growth coming in, and you've got a huge you know, output and, and demand from our side. Is we, the, 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 we, we weren't obviously 1,500 square feet wasn't going to do it, then 3,000, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, now 50,000. And still, we actually you know, really need more because the, the, you, know, you have a lead time of six months. That gives you an inventory level of X amount. Now, some lead times are 18 months to 24 months. Ours are actually, ours luckily because we can, you know, we, can, we can choose. Okay, if you can't give us a bottom bracket from, from Taiwan, well, we'll either then get it from China or we'll get it from Vietnam or we'll get it from, you know, now, nowadays, you know, even Ireland's doing some, some uh, parts and some back racks and some fun stuff. But we can kind of shop it around. We don't have to go to one particular person. So our lead times are about 45 weeks or six weeks. We went all the way up to about 10 weeks in the, in the height of, of, our, of summer. But now we're about to find, and that's where we want to be. We want to be around about 45 weeks because we still have to go through the process of actually building the bike, testing, inspecting, packing, and shipping. So, yeah, so, so our factories, we, we've, had to, we've had to sort of divide our factories. And the beautiful thing about having our models, you know, we've really got, you know, six different models. And the, the, the M, the, the R, the S, the C, the X, and the Y. So all those, and, and there's specific demands for the specific ones. Our, our Model R is one of our most popular at the moment. Um, and our Model Y, y is really popular. But the C, the X, the, and the, all the rest are also pretty also popular. But those are sort of the, the, the good performers right now. And it's funny how things, right. how things go. But we, you know, so we out we can we can segment the uh, the, the production into or, or our factories. Like for instance, this new twenty thousand square foot factory here, plus ten thousand outdoors. But we just the twenty thousand that we actually do straight on production. Uh, that's for the model R, and we've we we're introducing the model F, which is the folding bike. So the, the the folding bike will be coming. It's like the model R, but it folds and it doesn't have twenty six inch wheels. It's twenty four inch wheels. But you know, and then we also have. Because we do the assembly packing here, we have to obviously we have to store all the batteries and the, and the parts and the right. plugs and the wiring and all the rest of the stuff. So, so the more that we have that, the bigger the factories are. So now we've got, and then our painting, our paintings, you know, 50% of our, of our product comes out custom painted. 
And, that, you know, we've gone from, you know, we started obviously one bike a week, and then we went to 50, then to 150, then now we're over 250. And with the new factor, we'll be between 350 and 400 bikes a week. It'll just be coming out, and if you, if you just think we've got to paint, you don't need to just paint the frame. Like, you know, some, some manufacturers say, oh, I can customize, I can paint your frame. We used to do that too. But then the customer, you know, this frame, then it's a fork, then it's a fender, then it's a chain rod, then it's a back rack, then it's a front basket, then it's a back basket, right. then it's a rim. So that all, so our whole painting, our whole painting department is now a whole factory in itself. You know, 5,000 square feet with booths and, you know, we have to, it's quite tricky here in Orange County and California for, so just to get all the clean air stuff and you have to put this whole thing in. But now we've got a full-on production line going over there. A lot of our stuff is, you know, we, we obviously we, prime, we prep, we prime, we paint, we decorate, we, you know, we, we polish and then we, we send to the different factories to be able to assemble. So, so the, and then, uh, then obviously with our, with, with our wood, we've got our woods work section. And then packing, you know, packing a bike fully built needs a lot of space. So one of our parts of our factory is a whole almost packing f- facility where after it gets built and inspected and tested and inspected, then it gets, goes to the packing, then it gets tested and inspected again, and then it gets packed and then it gets shipped. Um, and, and it gets shipped well, you know. It's a big process to pack it. You want to make sure that when somebody does get it, Get their bike, like you know, we've shipped even internationally to Holland or to Australia. The, the guys, he doesn't have one single complaint, and that's difficult when you when you're shipping a you know a big product like that. Jared and I have talked about on the podcast before, Sean, that you know the bike sales are way up, uh, you know, and people say that's the pandemic, but electric bike sales are are you know have increased even exponentially compared to that so it doesn't seem to be completely related to that where what do you see in the future do you see uh electric bike sales you know outpacing traditional bikes do you is this just something that's going to keep going up in your opinion yeah uh, you know again with this you know i was asked that question just recently one of the things is you know Federally, I think they did a really good job when they, when they, at the advent and the beginning of, of electric bikes is they said, okay, at a certain speed uh, and power output, some say power output, but at a it's really speed. At a certain speed, the electric bike is considered a bicycle. And if it's considered a bicycle, it has the same sort of rights and, and liability and, you know, and standards, etc., which is a real big help. When you, when you make an uh, electric bike into a vehicle, like a scooter, like a, like a Vespa or a motorbike or, or RT, ATV or something, there's a whole bunch more laws and, and stuff that you your license, registration, insurance, helmets, you know, DUI, you, you, have to, you have to do your history. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff that comes along with it. Now, I think if they keep that, if, if, if federally and state-wise and, and just local communities keep that regulation that e-bikes under certain powers or speed limit are considered bicycles, I think it would, the, the future is unbelievable. I think not only younger kids can get on it, and of course it's a lot of parenting, a lot of training, a lot of, you know, you, you, you need to make sure that the kids, like a bicycle or like a skateboard, he's on the road, he's sharing the road, and, you know, there needs to be some kind of, you know, just, just common sense. But it's from there all the way up to people that are, I think, you know, that older generation that are, that are now uh, getting older, people are living longer and longer and longer, but still want to get outdoors. And obviously, it's not only our brand, the Electric Bike Company brand, but it's everybody's brand. 
You know, the, the, there's a lot of, there's, there's, there's so much room for growth there that people don't realize, you know, people stop riding bikes um, when you get a little bit older, you know, it's, it's you know, bones creak, your hips hurt, you know, it, it, you're, just, you're just worried about that you're riding back against the wind or up the hill or something. And this is now get lots and lots, in fact, you know, not, again, not only our brand, but our brand gets a heck of a lot of those. It's, it's not only a way of getting the, 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 the folks out there to enjoy the to enjoy their outdoors, but they also uh, they, they, they spend time together. You know, it's it's a, it's that whole thing again of, of the level, the playing field. So now you can spend time with your with your spouse. It's either you know fitter or unfitter than you, or your kids. You know, you can carry them along more cargo, more. So the the, the, the future is 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 super bright, but also also for you know. Luckily, I, you know, my, I come. From, you know, my mother is um, like a big, big influence in my life, and she's she's actually from Holland. And whenever we go back to Holland, you see all the Dutch people on their bikes. And funny enough, ninety nine percent of those people don't even wear helmets. And it's you know because the infrastructure is so good, it's 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 super strong, and it's and people are there's a lot of awareness, and there's a lot of there's campaigns. So the future of the bicycle, but also, you know, just a, just a, just a side note, 90, 90%, 9 out of 10 women that buy bikes in Holland buy electric bikes. And it's, so it's 90%, and it's such a big market for us, and, 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 and also just worldwide. It's allowed women now to, to, yeah, to go out to hang out with the lads and to keep up. And to, and to keep up with their spouse. And to, you know, they do the majority of the shopping and the majority of the kid hauling kid, you know, kids around back and forth. So now cargo bikes are a big deal for, for the future. And, and this, and, and, you know, you're doing your shopping and doing your errands on electric bikes. It's allowed women to get out there and they make a lot of the buying decisions. So I think you know, the future is exceptionally bright. I think if it doesn't get over-regulated, you know, people, it's like anything, you know, you see a kid running through the, the traffic light because they're not stopping and they say, I'll get keep kid, kids off bikes. Well, then you must keep kids off all bikes and no kids should be on a bike until they get their license kind of thing. Because it's, if, you don't, if you regulate the speed, it's like a regular bike. So I'm, I'm hoping that the future, I don't, I'm hoping that people don't sort of all of us, there are a few counties here in, in, in California that have just, ah, they ban all electric bikes on the boardwalk. And then you get progressive people like Huntington Beach and Newport Beach and you know, guys like that that say, no, you can, do, you can, you can use any bike on the, on the boardwalk as long as you speak, stick to the speed limit. You know, just go eight miles an hour, that's the speed limit. So if you're on an e-bike, if you're on your scooter, if you're on your, on your skateboard or your regular bike, because in fact, people know that when you're on, a, when you're on an e-bike, most of the time, regular bikers will come flying past you in the big groups and, you know, they're just, just racing and... It's not, and they can also hurt themselves and other people. So it's not the e-bike. So I'm just hoping that the future, the people see that. I think they are because there's a lot, there's a lot of elderly folks that are that are in powerful positions that love e-bikes, and I think they will, they will, they will kind of pull back a little bit or push back on on, on, on overregulation. But yeah, I think the future is super bright. <laughs> So if somebody wants to learn more about the electric bike company, you've got a profound online presence. You've got places in person. Where are all the places somebody could go look to learn more about your bikes and your company? Well, the beautiful thing about our company is, you know, not because we started so early a long time ago is the name, you know, it's electric bike company. People often say, well, it's electric bike company. Which brand is it? Well, that is the brand. It's the electric bike company. It's the number one. Everybody else they imitation, you know, it's an imitation of our, you know, we were the first guys to have, the, you know, to do the proper, you know, the real deal electric bike. 
we've got the best name. So obviously electricbikecompany.com. You know, I mean, I like the fact that there's many other brands out there. We actually not, we compete a little bit against each other, but we're really competing against cars and train and buses and you know, it's sort of combustion engines and the rest of the thing. So more the merrier. But yeah, if they want to learn about us, electricbikecompany.com. And then, you know, they can follow us on, on Facebook and Twitter. We've got a really nice Facebook group, owners group. I think we've got almost 4,000 people that are actively involved, that, you know, they share their experiences and they share their knowledge and they share their questions. And it, it's really, it's sort of like this really fast-growing community. Yeah, we obviously, Instagram, we've got over 40,000 or something um, followers on there. And it's also, it's also active. We, we post often to, give, you know, technology and, and colors and, and fun stuff and adventures and, and new places to go and groups to meet. That's a really good following. We, we've got our two showrooms here on Huntington Beach and Newport Beach, and there'll be a lot more coming. And then we've got a really extensive contact on our Contact Us page of all our dealers, and it's, and it's expanding. I think we've almost got most of the states now, but we'll be, we will at least have a, you know, a dealer or some kind of um, presence in each of the uh, states and, and, and growing fast. You know, it's, it's, as we increase production, we grow our network. So there's all those avenues um, that are out there. Thanks, Sean. Uh, that's great. We really appreciate you, uh, you know, spending some time with us today to talk to us about the company and all the interesting things that you're doing. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll probably talk some more in the future, but we really appreciate your time. Yeah, it's, it's my pleasure. Thank you. It's, uh, you know, I always like to always mention the team. Uh, you know, I'm the spokesperson kind of thing, maybe, you know, the founder type of but a lot of what we do and everything that's uh, our evolution, our team is just exceptional and a team effort. And I appreciate you, you guys um, allowing me to have a chat with you. Thanks, Sean. Thanks a lot. Yes, sir. Thanks, guys. We hope you all enjoyed our talk with Sean Leptis Fifth as much as we did. Had a great time. Uh, electric Bike Company, really interesting company, and they're doing some notable things. Yeah, it really is. And and stuff like this interview is an example of some of the cool new content that you're going to see in Season 2 of Electric Bike Radio. So to make sure you keep up with that, please follow or subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice so you don't miss that episode or any other episode. We're on nearly every podcast player you can think of. Apple, Google, CastBox, Audible, a few dozen more. Also, you can always contact us at our email at ebikeradio at gmail.com and feel free to follow us on Facebook or Twitter. And as always, thanks for listening and stay tuned to Electric Bike Radio.